and I was still feeling something was off, something was off and I had to bring it up to my therapist. And it came down to that. It's like, you're not being yourself. I did not even know because of the effects of how I was introduced to, to sex and then all the aftermath. I, I wasn't being myself. I was being who I thought I should be in order, in order to keep my man satisfied, in order to yeah, keep you know him happy. It, it wasn't even about me. Welcome to the Life with Jan and Kat podcast, where we exchange stories of our spiritual and entrepreneurial journeys in the hopes of encouraging you in yours. Welcome back to Life with Jan and Kat. I am Kat, and this is my co-host, Jan. Hi, hi, hi. (laughs) We are so happy to be back. You know, we took a little bit of a break for Thanksgiving. I hope you guys are stuffed. I am personally tired of eating leftovers. <laughs> I saw somebody that was like, I think I, I'm so tired of leftovers that I'm making uh, yams and ham omelet. You know, <laughs> just trying to get rid of them. <laughs> just trying to get rid of them at this point. But we are so happy to be back. And I'm so excited about the topic that we're going to be discussing today, and that is uh, sexual healing. Now, if you know Jan, Jan also has a side hustle as a sex guru. Um, uh-huh. Just kidding. She's not only a life coach, she's also a sex guru. Um, <laughs> I, I trust her with my life, and I also trust her, <laughs> trust her sex advice. But um, I, I really, really want to dig into this conversation because I'm sure it's going to be super informative. And uh, I'm just going to ask you some questions. You know, I know your journey's been vast. Um, I really wanted to ask you, when was your first exposure to sex and how did it affect how you express your sexuality? So, okay. So... <laughs> I was exposed to sex uh, at a very uh, young age. I was five years old. And the way that I was exposed was by a man who basically groomed me for the purposes of, you know, uh, sexually molesting me and then raping me. And uh, so that's how I got exposed to it. (laughs) That's Um, That's not a good way to get exposed. No, it wasn't. No, it wasn't. But yeah, that's how that's how I first um, was exposed to it. Of course, at that age, I did not know what was going on. Mm-hmm. Um, but later on in life, you know, I learned that, that I knew that that wasn't okay because of all the things that happened once it was out. You know, mm-hmm. um, but uh, I didn't. I didn't understand what was going on. However. Um, the effects of it are still very present, are still something that I, it's, it's an everyday walk. It's yeah. an everyday walk. Yeah. Okay, so <clears throat> how did it, so it was through the process of, and how old were you when this happened? Five. Oh, yeah. I was five. You were five years old. Okay. So talk a little bit about, you know, you as a five-year-old, that process of like, you understanding, okay, this is, sex or you know these things are, are happening because there's an aftermath 
after you go through that process of, you know, being molested and raped? Like, what happened to you after the fact? Like, how did it affect your interactions with other men? You know, did you feel, did you feel like an aversion to men? Like, you didn't want to talk to them? Or did you feel like you wanted to embrace that more or figure your feelings out more? How, how did that happen? So... When you go through a process of grooming, uh, the the person who does the grooming, what they do is they change uh, your your understanding on how your needs are supposed to be met. And so, mm. as a as a five year old, you know, I need pretty much everything from an adult, right? Yeah. If I need yeah. if I I need food, an adult has to provide it for me. If I need clothing, an adult has to provide it for me. All my needs needed to be met by an adult so what this person did was if I wanted to eat something okay I will give it to you but you have to give me this in return so whether it was a kiss was oral sex whatever you know he just kind of like little by little like yeah Yeah. it just escalated yeah so um what that did to me was it changed my perspective on how I can get my needs met Mm. and so it put me in a position where I thought that in order for me to be loved, in order for me to receive what I needed, not what I wanted, but what I needed, I needed to do basically sexual favors in return. Yeah. Um, or get into a place of like intimacy, you know, that deep level of intimacy, because that was the only way that I could get what I needed. Of course, at that time, I'm not understanding and it didn't develop right away. It was something that developed more towards um, my teenage years. Once I had a a little bit of more understanding of what was going on in in the sense of like understanding sexual desires Mm -hmm. and sexual needs and stuff like that. And it also put me at a place where I thought that the only way that I could be loved by a man was if I, you know, I would give myself okay if I give myself then they're definitely going to love me which is it was actually something back in the day that men you know used to use a lot if you love me you're going to give yourself to me yeah they will Mm -hmm. lure you know they will lure you I don't know if they still use that line (laughs) today that exchange no I I think it's still expected somewhat Mm -hmm. um that if you you know if you dine somebody if you go out on a date depending on the amount of dates also, depending on the kind of person that you are, um, you would end up in bed with someone. You know, it's like, oh, well, thank you for X, Y, and Z. Here's a sexual favor. Right. So I know that it's still that way for a lot of men. Um, but I also know that there are a lot of them that are trying to change the narrative and trying to approach that with less expectations and more mm-hmm. just trying to get to know the other person. Like that. Right. Yeah. So that's, yeah. That's kind of how it, you know, it it affected me and, and it caused me to just completely, yeah, my, my views and my perspective uh, just completely changed. And then not to mention my body, you know, my body yeah. went through uh, the memories, you know, that it created in my body that caused me to want something that I did not even know what it was, you know, Ooh. When you say memory, like, what do you mean? Like, your body could still remember, you know? Yeah, like the touch, like, you, you you create memories. Like, for example, you know, 
you've never been kissed in the neck. You don't know what that feels like. But the moment the moment somebody does gives you a kiss on your neck, it's going to create feeling in your body and it's going to immediately create pleasure. You're going to feel, you know, or if you're ticklish, you're going to be like, oh, and that's how you you're going to be like, oh, don't don't touch me there because, you know, I'm ticklish. Don't kiss me there. So it, it just created memories in my body. And then my body wanted to recreate those. You know, when you yeah. get aroused, you wanted to recreate this. How do you explain to a five, six, seven year old that you're going through, you know, some arousal time? Like, yeah, like <laughs> well, something it was something that you feel like was really sped up for you. Like instead yeah. of enjoying the regular things in childhood, now you're like having to deal with being sexually aroused at a young age. Mm-hmm. And not even and not understanding what it was, like truly mm-hmm. not understanding what it was at all. You know, for me, it's like if I, if I, you know, because they teach you when you're young, it's like, don't touch your private parts. Don't, you know, don't do this. It's like, how do you tell someone that now has been, you know, exposed to this, not to do that when there's no understanding and the body saying, this is what I want. This yeah. is what I need right now. And so it's very complicated. <laughs> like that R. Kelly song, my mind, telling yeah. me that, my body saying. Yeah, definitely. Um, wow. Yeah. No, I, I definitely, like for me, it, it was a bit different. I wasn't exposed. I think that that was more of a direct approach to you being introduced to sex. You know, someone, mm-hmm. someone actually, um, maybe not in a way that was the most appropriate introduced you to it but for me I I was introduced to sex indirectly Uh, I was introduced through pornography and I know that a lot of I don't know if a lot of people can relate to my experience but back in the day way back in the day um when cable was still a thing we had this tv channel called HBO HBO is incredibly popular and they used to have like I think after 12 p.m they used to have Mm -hmm. straight porn Mm-hmm. and my parents would have a pin so that you know they'll have like parental control so that we wouldn't go in there but we figured out my dad's pin number it was like zero 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 it was like four zero. it's like dude like think about this you know like really think about what you're doing here dude right so i think we figured out his pin number in like past 12 i don't i can't say we because it was just me mm-hmm. but I, I figured out his pin number and so past 12 p.m all you would have is just pornography in the hbo channel i'm pretty sure they there's a lot of parents that <laughs> there's a lot of parents that figure that out and they were like this needs to be off of this channel like asap mm-hmm. um but that's how i got introduced to it and Additionally, like my my dad um, was also a porn addict. You know, we used to he used to have an office in the back of our house, and he used to have tons of DVDs outside. And it was to me, I was a very impressionable kid, and so watching him have all these DVDs kind of made it look like maybe I should be doing that too. Maybe at some mm-hmm. point in time, I'm going to. I don't know, figure this thing out by myself or maybe watch these videos and try to figure it out on my own as well. Mm-hmm. And so for me, it became a curiosity thing. Like, I want to try what they're doing or is this the way that this is supposed to be happening? You know, is this stuff that I'm looking at even good for me, right? As a kid, I wasn't able to make those distinctions. Um, and right. funny enough, as an adult, I wasn't either. 
I was like, I don't understand how this hurts me. Um, but obviously through having suffered through a, a pornography addiction, you kind of think about it and you're like, yeah, no, this definitely ruined my connection with people, specifically my connection to men. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm like, oh, dude, like <laughs> now I'm just like, I'm never going to be a student rep as a porn star. And mm-hmm. that's kind of how it, it hit me. And when I, when I was sexually active, it definitely turned into like a script for me to fill. You know, it was like, okay, well, this is what I saw her do. And, you know, it was very performative mm-hmm. rather mm-hmm. than just it being natural. Right. Um, so that's kind of what I went through and how it kind of, I feel like it mushed up my brain a little bit. And coming out of it has been such a relief. Um, and, but I think that that was, it was indirect, but it was almost suggestive almost mm-hmm. like, oh, this is what you're supposed to be doing. Like, we don't, as adults, you really have to think about the fact that we don't really think about where we learn about sex from. We just do it. Like, even if it was through entertainment or Disney or whatever, like, you don't really think about those things. It's like, oh, it sucks. It's just, it's just happy, like, biology. Mm-hmm. But I think really digging into where and how you learn about sex is really important because that'll yes. tell you everything. It's like, did I learn this did I learn to do this in a way that I feel comfortable mm-hmm. in a way that it's natural to me? Am I being performance driven rather than just natural, you know? Um, and I know, I know for a fact that that was, that's something that I struggled with for a long time. Yeah. Pornography is something that it, that it causes a lot of damages, um, both women and men. Um, it changes the expectations and changes uh, uh, the it, it cuts the part of connection, real yeah. connection, real intimacy with with your partner. You know, me speaking as a married person, um, it it completely kills that part. Now it's just an act. It's just performance. It's just you know how good are you? You know mm-hmm. how good am I? And it, can you get pleasure out of it? Yes, you can. But is it at the end of it? Is <clears throat> was it worth it? Because it should be that yes, there's pleasure, but the the goal should be connection. It should not yeah. just be the pleasure. Pleasure should be just the benefit of it, but the connection, having that beautiful connection with someone else. And pornography messed me up because now, as well, because now you have a teenager who's, you know, by the way, started her period at the at nine years old. I wasn't even a teenager, and I was already having to worry about. If, if I have somebody introduces something, you know, I, something can happen, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, and it, it, it was just such a pressure. It was such a pressure um, that I, at the moment, of course, did not understand at the moment. I didn't know what's happening, but now it's, you know, as I mature and I've, I've learned and gone through the, going through the healing process, you know, you have to go back to those moments and be like, okay, what happened here? What did you understand? What do you understand now? How did it affect you? You know, and all these things. Um, your sexuality is something that is supposed to be so pure. It's supposed to be the purest form of an exchange of love, connection, creation. And it's just completely, it has been completely stained by by pornography, you know, me personally, I, I, I'm recently still walking out of some stuff with that, you know, I became a performer, you know, it's like, yeah. I need to be the best. And 
honestly, like if we can keep it hot, pornography teaches women to be sex slaves <laughs> and for men to be slave masters. Yeah. And I'm sorry, I'm not a slave. I'm nobody's slave. You know what I'm saying? That that's just not okay. But people think that, you know, oh, you know, it's just just it arouses you. It's like, does it? <laughs> it almost it? like it gives like I was saying earlier, it gives you that script of like mm -hmm. it, it teaches you, hey, this is what you're supposed to like. This mm -hmm. is what sex is supposed to be like. But in reality, like people who've never watched pornography, never in their life can tell you this is not how sex goes for that. No, it and it it doesn't. It doesn't. To to be honest with you, I the other day, and I had I had to have this conversation with my husband, uh, because as I was going through therapy, we were going through this, you know, I was I was feeling empty, even mm -hmm. you know, and and having I've been married for 20 years yeah. almost, you know, and there's nothing this man doesn't know about me and that I don't know about him, and we have two children together. I mean, yeah, and I was still feeling something was off, something was off, and I had to bring it up to my therapist. And it came down to that. It's like, you're not being yourself. I did not even know because of the effects of how I was introduced to, to sex and then all the aftermath. I, I wasn't being myself. I was being who I thought I should be in order, in order to keep my man satisfied, in order to yeah, keep you know, him happy. It, it wasn't even about me. I didn't care about my body. I didn't care about what was going on into my body. I didn't care what if I if I liked or not what was happening to me mm. as long as he was satisfied and happy. But never asking, you know, is this really what you like? Is this really what you want? Or is this me even projecting this into you? Yeah. You know, and I had to have a conversation with him and and be very honest and say, I I need to discover who I who I truly am. Um in in this part of me and mm -hmm. you know it's a journey that you know of course you're my partner so we're gonna have to figure it out together in which I'm gonna need some space but this is this is I'm, I'm almost 37 years old and to be dealing still with something that happened at the age of five just lets you know how big of a deal it is a lot of people want to dismiss and not talk about sex not not want to talk about intimacy don't want to talk about your sexuality in, in in a healthy way you know they just dismiss it completely And the problem with that is it just causes a lot of issues because our our um our identity is actually built. Part of it is our sexuality. Yeah. We become I, to me we become who we are, human beings, because of sexuality. Our identity yeah. starts right there and then. And so it's something that needs to be talked about in a healthy manner. And we get dismissed so much that it pushes young people to look for the information of what's going on to them. And what they find in the internet is just not healthy. What they find crap, is pornography yeah. anywhere. What they find is people who don't care about their well-being and they just going to give you, I mean, I didn't even know part of my language. I didn't know what a blowjob was. You know, people, yeah, I will hear guys like joking about it and stuff like that. And I was like, and one day I had to ask somebody that was older than me. And I was like, what the heck is a blowjob? You know, mm -hmm. and they were like, oh, they're referring to this. And I was just like, oh, yeah. Like, you know, even the, 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 the vocabulary mm -hmm. 
towards sex or, or sexuality is very derogative. It's very demeaning. It's very like... It's, it's, because it's, remember, it was, again, back to that thing that you were talking about. It was, it's a, it, it was marketed towards men. So pornography mm-hmm. and sex for a long time was marketed to men. You know, mm-hmm. I think marketing it to women is fairly new. You mm-hmm. know, it's something that's been explored, I want to say, mid-2000s. That's when we finally got my Magic Mike, something that would somehow, people are like, well, let's just make women happy. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think they even started making pornography for women, specifically for the things that women are looking for. Again, mm-hmm. simulating that connection. Because mm-hmm. they're like, well, women are emotional, so let's make porn that feels emotional, mm-hmm. you know? Like, let me bring you cookies and flowers and let's get down to it. Um, But that's something that's fairly new. Mm -hmm. And so going back to what you were saying, all of that stuff, the derogative and all of that, this this speech based on all of this stuff. And it's really sad because it puts us in a position of, like, us women, like, how do we satisfy our needs? And you were talking about, you were talking about, um, like doing stuff that you didn't even like stuff that didn't feel like you and I was online I was telling you the other day that I was looking at a thread of women that talk about sex and they're like well what does sex feel like to you like a guy was asking them and they were like well it's an acting career or it's like sneezing and it's like it's like sneezing but never actually being able to sneeze you know it's it was funny but it's like wow like how much how many women are performing because you don't want to tell your partner, I don't really like this. Like, mm-hmm. I'm not down with this. Mm-hmm. Or because you're afraid that you'd be made to look boring or you'd mm-hmm. been made to look average or whatnot. No, you'd, you'd look human, you know? Mm-hmm. And a lot of all of this extra stuff that's been happening, because the truth is, like, our society has fetishized sex. So it's like sex is in everything. You know, they even tell you marketing sex sells. You know, mm-hmm. when you're studying marketing, the first thing is that sex is going to sell. And it is true. You just say the word sex and people are like, what are, what are you going to mm-hmm. say next? Mm-hmm. Right? You, you've caught their attention. And when it comes to pornography, it's been marketed towards them. But it's made us feel like sex plays. Like, we don't really mm-hmm. have a voice in it. This is fairly new, you know. And with all of these movements that have been going on, like the feminist movement and all of that, I think there's a little bit of rage behind that, right? Mm-hmm. I don't agree with the rage that's you know gone behind it but I do understand it because it's like why can't I do the same things that what you know what I'm saying why do Mm -hmm. I have to make myself something just for your pleasure so that you can feel comfortable with it I'm gonna tell you this who said that all men are like that yeah because this was the idea of probably one man with a very sick mind and they just <laughs> freaking ran with it. They just ran. And they generalized that all men like it, you know, nasty and dirty. That men don't like connection. That mm. men like, let's talk about that for a moment. I'm sorry, but I've asked my husband many times. I said, what is it that, you know, when when you're going to get engaged into into like sexual activity, what what's in there? You know, intimacy and stuff like that. He's like, I need connection. We don't hear guys talking about that. Yeah. Or we don't hear the promotion of of these things 
being on, on a level of men needs, men need to be connected as well. Mm-hmm. Men need connection. They do. And they want connection. But somehow it has been lost that, and you know, just men physical. just like, yeah, it's just physical. And that pain that a man watching a woman suffering, it's arousing and it's okay. Mm. And many women take the pain thinking that that's what their husband wants. A lot of times they're both confused. One is performing for the other and they don't even know that that's what they're doing. Yeah. That's the reality of it. And we see this and and the problem with this is like this frustration because there are needs that are not being met, you know, and, and there's, there's the, it comes out in different ways. Mm -hmm. The frustration comes out in different ways. Some women gain weight, so men like they just they just completely withdraw disconnect, you know yeah. they disconnect you know they there's just it's just dysfunctional all over dysfunctional all over and then we have here the places where it should be safe to talk about this has have been for generations making sex a taboo making sex something that we don't talk about it we don't know that's that's however they are very, very open to tell you how many kids you should have and how quickly you should have children after you get <laughs> married. Or if you're 24 years old and you have not getting married, you're not, you're never going to meet the men of your dreams. Like whatever comes, just take it. You know, like they're very quickly to make those decisions for you, but they don't want to talk or teach you correctly. It's the same thing that I was talking to my husband not too long ago. It's like, we go to school for 12 years and they're teaching you all of these classes, but you don't know how to balance a check. You know, a checkbook, you don't, you, you open that thing and you don't even know what to do with it. You know what and, that's it some, <laughs> and, and, and that's something we use every day. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, but our sexuality, it, we carry it every single day. We carry it with us. I'm not saying every day we're aroused. I'm not saying every day we're, but it, we carry it every day, just as we carry our wallets. And just, <laughs> these are just things that are, for me, it's like common sense to have these conversations. You know, yeah. for, for me, my conversation was like, I got my period and it's like, well, now you can't, you can't have sex because you get pregnant. So I'm like, yeah. what is a nine-year-old? What, what does a nine-year-old does with, the, with that information? Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. You know, like I, I look back now, I'm just like, what was I supposed to do with that information? Like there was no in-between. Like, so I'm on my period and I can get pregnant, but there was no explanation of like the in-between, like how does yeah. it actually, you know, I found out on my own in the wrong way. <laughs> yeah and that goes that actually segues right into you know the next question that I was going to ask you um it was about the taboos about sexuality that you uncovered as you were getting healed and you know before we we go into that I really want to touch really quickly on um what you were talking about a lot of the taboos like the same people that are like telling you you know you need to get married to have these children but they're not actually telling you what you're going to find you know when you open door number one which is marriage like you know when you get into your honeymoon what to expect your what do you expect your body because it's a quote-unquote uncomfortable conversation for you to have when in reality it shouldn't be uncomfortable at all everybody should feel super comfortable talking about it but the reason why we feel uncomfortable is because society has said you don't talk about that like that's very very private and so you have people doing private things that they really shouldn't be doing um, and not ever saying it to anybody. So nobody really can say, hey, bro, that's not OK. You know, right, right. <laughs> nobody can really say that. You know, it's like you're just doing what you're doing. And it's like, are you sure you're all right? Mm-hmm. You know, 
but it's it's a hundred percent true. One of the things that we're talking about is the the um, expectations of a, of a wife during marriage. Like, who even creates those expectations? Like your wifely duties. That's something that we talk about. But it's like who? What you know? I, I told you last time. Where's the council that meets at night? to decide, you know, what the wifely duties are. I know, like, like, you said the council, and I just, I just, I just thought about the elders of the church. Of just, just over, I'm like, by my bed, okay, so guys, so tonight, <laughs> and the next seven nights. Because yeah. I've heard crazy things, like, I've heard women say, yeah, I have sex with my husband, even when I don't want to have sex with him, or I have sex with him even when I'm super tired, I still give it up to him, or, you know, and I'm like, that, this sounds weird, like, you know, like, where's, Where do you, you know, as long as you're both in agreement, right? Like mm -hmm. if you're tired and he's like, hey, baby, you know what, sorry. You know, but at the same time, like I heard this conversation that um, Jackie Perry Hill was having and she was like, listen, if I am really, really tired and exhausted and I don't want to have sex with my husband, like he just needs to respect that because I'm mm -hmm. not a sex robot. Like I'm not a machine or anything like that. Like that's insane, you mm -hmm. know? And it's true. Like who decides all of this stuff? Because this is stuff that has been broadened to all the women. Like if your husband wants to have sex, you have sex time. If, mm -hmm. even if you don't want to, you do it. Even if you're tired and like your hair is not dead or, you know, and who, who decides that? Because it like, comes, it, it comes from the fear. I'm sorry to interrupt you, but it comes from the fear that if you don't give it, another woman will. Yeah. Or somebody else will come and take care of it. I said, well, if some, if, if, If I'm married to a person that will allow somebody else to take care of him, then he doesn't need to be married to me, <laughs> basically, right. you know. But that's that's the the thought behind that 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 of like you yeah, have to do this, you have somebody else is going to handle, and it's like, well, you know, then why am I in a relationship to begin with? Yeah, where does his responsibility to have self control start? And yeah, it's like, and you touch a very important thing there. We complain about how men behave. But moms enable guys and, and boys to be taught that way, but that they complain about it, you know, when they don't, they, they yeah. yeah, because it's like, you, oh, boys will be boys. I'm sorry, but no, no, boys will yes. be boy that eventually will be a man. And I am not going to be raising somebody else's kid. Yeah. It is our responsibility. Oh, I don't yeah. have a boy, but if I were to have one and my boy comes here with some, I will slap him. No disclaimer. <laughs> I will slap him. No, I, think, I think things are harder for man now. <laughs> yeah. No, because not the reality is like, you. no. You know, so you're teaching. A, by the way, by the way, this, <laughs> is not, this is not a feminist rant. Right, right. It, we should really dissect these conversations and these mm -hmm. thoughts that we've just adopted and mm -hmm. said, oh, yeah, we're taken. You know, like the wifely duty things, uh, that needs to be a conversation that you have with your partner. Like, mm -hmm. this is something that you discuss. Like, what are what are your expectations of me as a wife? Mm -hmm. And you need to say, hey, this is what I'm comfortable doing. This is what I'm not comfortable doing. And it's a compromise. The, yeah, it's, it's, a hundred, it's a compromise. And that's what Jackie Carrillo was saying. She was like, listen, like, I don't feel comfortable sometimes having sex with him because she went through abuse. Same thing mm -hmm. as you. Sometimes it's like a whole ritual in mm -hmm. order for them to, to get down to it. But that's something that he has to be in agreement with mm -hmm. um, in order to be her husband. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. 
And which is something that, you know, we have to say, like, a lot of people have something to tell you on how you do, how you're supposed to do these things. It's like, listen, this is a compromise between that marriage. This is nobody else's business. You know, I don't yeah. go around and be like forecasting. Well, today is Tuesday. I got to go home because, you know, I got to get it on because no, that's nobody's business. You know what I'm saying? Like, mm -hmm. I'm sorry, but it's an agreement between us two. And I'm sorry. I personally, my husband Sometimes, you know, if you and I'm and I can say, babe, I I'm just too tired. Mm -hmm. It's it's all good. It's, it doesn't mean like I'm filing for divorce the next day because I didn't have sex. Like what the heck? Like mm -hmm. come on. Come on. It's just it's just like definitely if, think about it if you haven't had sex for a year though. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, as a military wife, let's let's talk about that for a second. As mm -hmm. a military wife, when when our, our husbands go away for six months, seven months, a year. You know, that's, it's really hard. We we can't ignore biology. You know what I'm saying? We can't ignore biology as well. Mm -hmm. There's something, you know, we have needs, our bodies, they need to be, you know, for those of you who are in celibacy, God bless you. And, you know, yeah. continue. If that's the path that you, you know, that you've chosen and you're strong, because it's not for everybody. The, even the, the word says it's not for everybody. But, you know, we have to we have to be open in our relationships, especially with our sexuality. We cannot continue to hide who we are and who we were created to be because if there's something to be fixed, if there's something wrong, you cannot fix it if it's not exposed. And who else are you going to expose it to? Okay, you need to do it with someone that is not going to be biased. You need to do it with someone that you can trust and that you know that are going to guide you through the right path, right? But we don't even know where to go to because it's still a taboo out there. Yeah. You know, you're you know, I see kids at 19. Well, I got married at 18, but I see kids nowadays like rushing into marriage. And I'm just like, dude, like you don't even know who you are. Like find out, figure out who you are. And honestly, sometimes I feel like they're just getting married because their hormones are just out of whack and mm -hmm. they just want permission to have sex. And it's like, it's not everything in a marriage. Sex is not everything in a marriage. Sex is just one part. Okay? Everybody yeah. And you're over here rushing without... You don't even have your own identity set yet. You don't even know if you have trauma to heal from. Mm -hmm. And now you're you're getting into a... You know, and, and then you see them getting married. And five years later, it didn't work out. And then... No. Yeah. Let's... let's Like, if, if we're going to... If we want to do things right then let's stop with this whole thing that, well, you know, after 30, you're just too old. That's yeah. another thing. I <clears throat> Come on. Like, there's just so many stigmas, so many things that are just honestly immature. Yeah. Like, they're very immature. And what they're causing is chaotic events. They're just causing repetition. You're, they're causing our young uh, 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 children to jump the gun, to do things that... They don't even have any business doing or or getting into, you know, teach them properly. Another thing is like, don't allow the school system to be teaching your kids about this thing. This is our parents, parents' responsibility. It's not an outsider responsibility. If you have children, it is your responsibility as a parent to sit down and have these conversations and they're not going to be comfortable. They're not supposed to be comfortable because you're touching an area that is deep, that is intimate. But it needs to be addressed because you're setting up that person for success. If you don't, they're going to be struggling with that. And we can yeah. speak of that. Yeah. And I think, you know, even touching on what you were saying, like, 
Yeah, I think you were touching on a little bit of a timeline for us as women. Like if you're 30, you're too old. Sometimes it's when we're talking about these children that are getting married early, it's because they approach marriage from an infantile perspective. Mm-hmm. You know, you're instead of approaching it, and I can speak from a single person's perspective, like the way that I approach dating in my early 20s is definitely not the way that I am approaching dating now. Mind you, I haven't dated in about three, in about two years. So, and I took a break for that same reason because I could identify that I was still coming from an infantile perspective of dating. Like, oh, this person has to look X, Y, and Z way. And I'm like, I'm pretty sure that, and all the things that I was bringing up, they were predominantly physical. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of us jump that gun because, oh my God, they're beautiful. They're really sweet to me. They make me laugh. Like, honey, this is not what's going to sustain your marriage. I promise you, the first thing that goes out the window, and this is from experience, first thing that goes out the window when a relationship starts to die it's the sex like you don't even have to ask when you're on yep. like you may you may be with that person like sparingly throughout mm-hmm. the breakup process but it's just not even something that you can rely on mm-hmm. you know and so when you think about it in a kiddish way like oh I'm going to jump this this person needs to have this this and that it's because you really don't know who you are you don't mm-hmm. really know what you need Now, as an adult, I don't approach dating from like an infantile perspective of like, I need him to do this, do that, to be this way, to look like this, to have a thousand tattoos and whatnot. All of these really unrealistic stuff to be six feet. To me, it's like, okay, here's what I value. Here are the things that are most important to me to having a partnership. Like I need someone that supports me. So the list kind of changes. You know, it's like, okay, instead of me looking at physical attributes for an individual, I'm looking at um virtues things that i'm saying oh okay here are the things that i would need as a partner because i need i i actually do need it you know and mm-hmm. all my relationships i need these things right mm-hmm. this is what i would need and so it's a different approach you know when you mature when you transition to maturely dating versus being immature as a kid and seeing it that way and so when you jump the gun like you were talking to Jan, um jan it's like i want to have sex i want to get married And then you realize throughout the process that there's incompatibility because you don't even know who you are. You know, like, I don't even know who I am. So why am I really with this person? And then once you figure out, it's like, we're incompatible because, you know, Mm -hmm. you don't meet my needs. You Mm -hmm. really don't meet my needs. Other than being beautiful, which is amazing. Which, disclaimer, I'm going to say this. A lot of you, you know, may go like, early 20s but you won't really know what a guy is going to look like for the rest of his life until he's fully grown <laughs> so uh, after 30 <laughs> and I was there, like it's like uh... I, yeah I, I actually have a, I actually have like a a crush for my early 20s that's actually going bald like I was like Jesus Christ so I am telling you like he's not you know, the going bald is a, the, the, the say this guys if you're going bald we're not saying that you know you're oh my god like that is there's some baldy i love a baldy but it's like don't go don't make it everything <laughs> that's what i'm saying like don't make right. it my dad is bald so i, right. I, I love him dearly so <laughs> but it's just it's i think that the way we <laughs> i approach dating for the most part was really really interesting you know mm. because it had a lot to do with this sexual attraction and yeah this, you know like this is oh fun God, it's awesome. fun it's it, like it's it the fun. adrenaline the ooh, the you know like all that stuff and then okay once, once that dies down what what's left there yeah, no, I just, I just, yeah <laughs> but, like i i understand that but that's 
now to me that's just not the most important thing you know it's like I understand that we have to have passion and we have to have all this chemistry and all of that but right now I'm more interested in like Mm -hmm. you know are you going to be a good dad kind of deal yeah I don't really want to have somebody in the picture and I'm just talking to like you know the the singles that may be listening learning how to express your sexuality in a healthy way and also um learning how not to see it as everything in the relationship and being okay with setting those boundaries you know like personally I and this is because I, I struggle with codependency for a long time, my sexuality was intertwined with my codependency. Mm-hmm. So I used my sex, like I used sex in order to be able to control and manipulate a person. And so that for me has been a journey of actually detaching both of those things. Mm-hmm. And I know for a fact that if I get into a relationship, this is not something that I would be able to do, you know, right. because I'm very much still in the process of doing right. that. So, and I think that for a lot of us, we really have to learn how to see it. Like, okay, what you, what Jan was talking about, get to know yourself, get to know who you are and what you value and move from that. That's really, the, I want to say the main thing. I think, I, honestly, if I say get to know entirely who you are, we're constantly right. involved. We're, you know, yeah. I can't really say, I can't really say all entirely because there's and that's, of myself that I'm still getting to know. And that's another thing is that a lot of people get, you know, they fall in love with the person they met that person's not going to be the same in five years. I'm not the same person when I was 18. I'm not the same person when I, I, as a matter of fact, I'm not the same person I was yesterday. (laughs) It's because it's true. And the thing is like, you need to be willing also to go with the change because it's going to happen. Yeah. You know, me personally in this journey of healing, I even discovered that the colors that I thought were my favorite colors weren't even my favorite colors. They were the common favorite colors of other people so I could relate and not be out of the group. Like I wanted to fit in. And I didn't even that that's that that all happened up here without me even being aware of it. That was just my brain saying, We need to survive, we need to survive, so we're just gonna adapt. Yeah. <laughs> you know, when you go into a relationship <laughs> like that, it's like I'm just surviving, I'm, I'm adapting. So oh you like oh you like black? I love black. Oh, you like black coffee? I love black coffee. If you've never had black coffee before, like you know, it's just, just crazy the amount of things that you your brain will will push you to do in order to just survive, you know. Mm-hmm. And um I just think just I'm doing it now, you know, I'm learning myself, I'm learning who I am, the things that I really love, and sometimes it's very contradicting. Because sometimes the part of me that I've that I'm used to being is saying, "What do you mean?" Like you, and then the part that is coming out, you know, is saying like something like it's, it's almost like split personality. You know, like one is saying, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I like red, and the other one, no, you don't. No, you don't. Who Ooh, who told you red. you who told you yeah. you like red? You don't even look good on red. Like seriously, you know. And it's like a constant battle. But I love. I love the fact that I'm able to do it because I, I wouldn't have it any other way, you know, like yeah. going, it's, this journey sucks in the sense of like, it sucks to have to go through healing and my sexuality, healing my sexuality due to somebody else's doing, you know, that yeah. part sucks. It sucks that that person is no longer here in this world and I'm you know, 30, almost 37. I'm still having to, to unpack <laughs> Mm-hmm. things that happened you know 30 something years ago uh however i i'm glad that i'm able to be aware i'm glad that i'm able to go through this healing and i'm glad that i'm able to talk about it to other people that may have may haven't they haven't had the same opportunity you know to mm-hmm. to heal or to even open up to even figure out if they need something to heal about mm-hmm. you know what i'm saying because like, some people don't even know 
And, and to be able to do this, it's just, I love it. And I love the fact that I treasure my sexuality even more, but for the right reasons. You know, I understand that it is a, it's a, an amazing part of me, it's, a, it's an amazing part of being a human. And that is something that is supposed to be enjoyable. Uh, it's supposed to be pure. It's supposed to be all the things like at once, you yeah. know, and discovering yourself is something important and if you you don't know who you are your identity is still kind of you know scattered <laughs> all yeah. over the place I think you should give yourself the opportunity to know who you are so that when you find that other person that you're meant to be for the rest of your life you know that person is a, is a complement to who you are yeah you know, it just adds more value to you I think compatibility is really more important than everything else And that's something that I am really learning. I'm really, because before, again, because of my struggle with codependency, I used to be like, oh yeah, sure, whatever. Let's go with the flow. I just really wanted someone to like mm -hmm. me. And now it's not so much like that. It's like, no, honey, I like you. And so I don't think you're the best for me. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. <laughs> Your perspective kind of changes once you move from being someone that's wounded to being someone that's healed. Of yeah. like, yeah, I don't have to take this from anybody. You know, I value myself. I know what I am and I know what I'm not. And, you know, when it comes to, to relationships, it's definitely worth it to, to vet people out for what they are. And, uh, you know, you, you got to do this while you were married. You didn't have the opportunity to do it before you were married. Right. And I'm really happy that I get to ha have that opportunity to like really understand what I need before I jump into something, you know what I'm saying? Because I feel like I owe it to myself to approach marriage or, or relationships from a place of wholeness, mm -hmm. from a place of knowing, hey, I'm fully loved, fully accepted. Even if I get rejected, it's not a testament of, of my personality. It's not a testament of who I am. It's just, it, it's just proof that there's incompatibility that's it right you know and as a and i have to learn how to respect that you know it's like if someone rejects you they're not rejecting you because you're the problem and as a single person that's really hard mm -hmm. especially for people that are just like oh you are not rejecting me i was uh, watching the video of this the psychologist that she was talking about an experience she had with a um a date or a guy that she met in her dorm and they kind of hit it off And, uh, she said, you know, she, she went to class with him. They flirted. They had such a good time. And then they came back and she was like, Hey, like we have this really formal thing happening tonight. I mean, would you like to go with me? And the guy flat out told her no. Like she stayed, she took that to heart. She took mm. that to being that she was ugly and she wasn't good enough. Like she really, really liked the guy. She put herself out there. And he straight up rejected her. And he just told her no and just kind of like disappear into the, into the mist. And mm. I think it was like 10 years later, they met up again. She was like, oh my God, like I haven't seen you since this day. Like, how are you? Whatever. And she felt like she wanted to tell him, hey, remember the time where I asked you to take me to this formal thing? And you mean, like you said no, like that's made me feel really rejected because she felt comfortable saying that to him. Mm -hmm. And the guy was like, no, like, listen, you asked me to go through this formal thing with you. I didn't have anything formal to wear. Like, I'm a broke college student. I don't have a tux. I don't have anything. 
And I didn't want you to find out that I was some loser guy that had no money. So I was like, oh, this kid, this girl is totally out of my league. I'm not going to be able to like, you know, give her because she's got something formal and nice to go to. I'm not that kind of guy. And he just left her alone after that. And she was like, what? Like, because you were embarrassed? And he's like, yeah, I was embarrassed that I didn't have something nice mm. to me. And she's like, I spent my whole life thinking that it was because you thought I was ugly. It's like we had such a good time, you know, in class and laughing and flirting. And then you come back and you're like, no, I just, I took that like, ew, no. You know, and it just made me realize, oh my God, sometimes it's, sometimes we tend to make everything about us. Like we're the center of this universe and we're really not. You know, mm-hmm. and a lot of times I've learned to take rejection as, hey, this is not about me. This is about this person. I have no idea what's going on behind that door. So yeah. because I don't know and I don't have that information, the only thing I can assume <laughs> is that there was something going on on their end and they that, that's what they thought was best for them. Right. Right. So it's it's openness. You know, we have to be open being okay with having these hard conversations and not shy away from from just exposing because a lot of a lot of times we're just it's just shame and guilt we don't want to be looked at as weirdos you know you and I we've you know we still laugh about the first time you reach out to me you know you were like a mess you didn't know how to tell me and I was like over here laughing (laughs) like but it just it just tells you the fact that these conversations are not being had and they're causing a lot of problems and they're causing future problems because you have future children that will meet somebody else that will get married that will and they will drag all of this uh, a lack of knowledge and maturity and all these taboos and all of these things into their own and we have we live in we we're living in days that information is everywhere Mm-hmm. There's there's no more excuse that oh I don't know I didn't know any better well now you have access to the internet and there's there's d- digital libraries you know that if you want to go to a good source you know you you can you can find it online and make sure that you you educate yourself education is key education is key for everything that we're doing in in in, in life and growing and we need to be okay with educating ourselves we cannot continue you know repeating the same mistakes. Because we're choosing not to to educate ourselves, and it's it's not meant to be easy. But if you embrace the process, it it will be a lot easier. If you embrace the process and accept the things that you're supposed to be learning, you know, in it. So, your yeah. sexuality is, is is meant to be good, and it's meant for you to explore it and enjoy it, you know, fully, not yeah. not not partially, fully. And so, but it requires work. It requires work. It requires work from a single perspective and from, you know, uh, yeah, marriage perspective as well. So, put yeah. in the work and, yeah, yeah trust I think- me. I I just say I just say my husband wherever he's at a lot of work by <laughs> by. Yeah, no, I really do. This is this I, is I, years I, I of arguments. This is years, years of, arguments. of arguments that have been resolved. So <laughs> I just cut down on the hassle because I, I want to seek help after, mm-hmm. you know, um, for my pornography addiction. You know, that's gonna save him a lot because I'm I'm sure, you know, it would have been problematic 
you know, to have a wife that was never satisfied with what it actually was versus mm -hmm. what she thinks it should look like, you know? And I think that's real for women too. They think that it's just for men, like, oh, this doesn't, you don't look like this model type or whatever. I'm probably never going oh, to. Yeah, but don't even get me started it's, on it's, that. It's like, <laughs> you know, know what I'm saying? It, it's, it's like, let's, let's be real, bro. Like, how many women actually look like that? <laughs> Five. It's like one out of a hundred. But yeah. it's, it's just being being realistic with myself. Like, when I'm doing this work, it's like, I understand that this is something that I am already sowing into, you know, mm -hmm. my future, into the future that I want to have. So it's some, it was, it was a um, book that I was reading and the lady was saying, bro, you don't start working on your marriage when you get married. You, you, your goal is to, at some point in life, get married. You start working on that now. Mm -hmm, <laughs> mm -hmm. you, start yeah. working on that. you start preparing yourself, right? Yeah. And so for me, it's just really important, you know, because now you have, um, now you have daughters that mm -hmm. you have to, pass this stuff on to but if you'd never decided to go on this journey you know they probably would have grown up in a highly toxic environment yeah. but all these conversations were not allowed to be had, and that that would have been really harmful for them but because you decided to do the work you cut them work mm -hmm. and a lot of people I think the hard thing to get through is like over the laziness of like I don't want to do anything about it because I don't have any kids I don't have anything to worry right. about but the reality is the quality of your life is what you should worry about, you mm -hmm. know, because you wear that stuff, whether you want it or not. You, right. you wear that stuff in how you talk to people and how you interact. People think that sexuality is a small thing. It's a very huge thing of your identity, mm -hmm. right? It's, I, I find it crazy, you know, that sexuality is almost, it, it's such a hot topic right now that's political, you know, mm -hmm. and, 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 it, and it's not supposed to be. I'm just like, bro, like, you've got preferences. That's all that is. Mm -hmm. But it's like, no, 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 this is a political thing now because it's that important. You know, yeah. it's that important to, to who you are and to your identity. Mm -hmm. And people really need to discuss this stuff and talk about the things that feel uncomfortable, talk about the things that they've experienced surrounding sexuality. Because if you don't dissect that, then you go on your whole entire life trying to meet a need illegitimately, mm -hmm. trying to meet a need the wrong way. So it's like you're trying, it's like you're shooting at, with an arrow, trying to shoot a target and you're missing it all the time because you're just using the wrong equipment. Mm -hmm. You know, you need to get the right equipment and then boom, you can shoot the arrow and meet the need. Um, and we'll close out in a little bit, but, I wanted to share this. Uh, it, it became when I first started seeking help for the stuff that I was dealing with, you know, my sexuality and all that stuff. I think it became very evident that my need was not just a physical one. It was also a, a communal one. So mm -hmm. for me, it, it was like I, I felt lonely and because I was lonely, I watched porn. And it's like, how do we solve this issue of you feeling lonely? And, you know, the first thing that my therapist talked about, we need to get in community. We need to mm -hmm. get in places where you're surrounded by people and you actually open up. Mm -hmm. You actually open up and you let people see you. You let, because what you are really looking for is connection and you think you're going to find it here and it's not doing you any good. And him redirecting me, I think changed the course of my life forever because I did end up in community. And I ended up in a community that would accept me and love me for who I am and see me. 
And so that need that I was looking for actually got that like got, got filled legitimately. Mm-hmm. And so almost within the month, it was like no more porn. Like I, mm-hmm. I didn't need it anymore. I didn't need it to sustain anything because I was already getting what it was that I was truly longing for. Mm-hmm. So and and that's really important. Like what are you truly longing for when you're when you're sleeping with all of these people? You know, and mind you, we're not trying to tell anybody what to do or how to do it, but it's it's important. Mm-hmm. Like people think, oh, it's just sex. Like what it is, just no. And it's no. like you, okay. There's something deeper. hundred percent. It's a hundred percent. Yes, it's pleasure. But why though? Like, mm-hmm. why do you do it in the way that you do it? I don't know. Like, I just do it because I want to get it on. Like, come on. Like, let's let's really talk about it. If you're really going to do it that way then at least find out why you do it the way that you mm-hmm. do it. And mm-hmm. if it's the way that you're doing it right now, harmful or healthy for you as a person. It's just, it's worth dissecting, whether we believe it or not. It's worth you going back and saying, where the hell did I learn this stuff? Who taught me about this? And what am I, am I trying to hide something? Am I trying to cover something? Mm-hmm. But um, this has been mm-hmm. a such a huge topic, you know, um, sexual healing. Because I definitely think that as the generation progresses, people try to bring more complexity to sex to get us away from the connection. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's really what's happening right now. You know, if you really look at the, the way people are looking at sex, it's becoming more complex. And it's like we're only making it complex because we are afraid to admit to ourselves that all we want is the, just genuine intimacy. And we think we're going to find it here, you mm-hmm. know, and, and it becomes like a big maze that everyone gets lost in, but it doesn't have to yeah. be. What you're really looking for is to connect with someone truly. And then this should be the outcome of that, like that right. trust, that love, that longevity, that safety, that should be the outcome of that. And if you're looking for a, a, a place, you know, you can always reach out to us. We we love uh, talking about everything about everything mm-hmm. we, we we're very open we like to talk about everything and and it look how many years of friendship we have so far <laughs> just because when we said when we said yes to being true to each other and being honest and 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 just being open not keeping secrets like it it, it really helped us grow and so having a safe space where you can be yourself is definitely important you know yeah so absolutely text us or not text us, but DM us <laughs> at um, we are Dan and Kat on Instagram. We would love, 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 love for you guys to, if you have any questions about the episode, reach out to us. If you have feedback for us, we would also love that. If you are watching from Spotify, answer the Q&A. We want to hear your thoughts and what you thought yeah. about the episode. Or if you have any burning questions or desires, definitely let us know. Um, so that brings us to the end of today's show. We yes. are how many episodes away from? We have four episodes. Three episodes. I'm giving us like nine. <laughs> we have three more episodes before we finish season one. So we are so excited for you guys to hear the rest of the content and so happy that you were able to sit here with us through this time. This yes. has been live with. Done and cow. See you guys next week.